You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. This episode is brought to you by listeners like you. To become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com slash legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the legends of Runeterra. My name is Marco the Lift from outside of Pittsburgh, PA, and with me tonight is my legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. But also, in addition to my legendary and ever faithful co-host, is the stupendous, amazing, uh, the, uh, I was trying to think of a word that, like, better descriptor, and I almost used a word that I probably shouldn't use. But with us tonight is Silverfuse, Silverfuse. How are you doing tonight? Hey, I, I'm doing well. How about well, you? I'm 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 great. DBN, how are you doing tonight, man? Terrible. Sorry, what? no. I, everybody else was just doing so good. I was there's just too much. We were too in sync. All right, we have to have a little bit of chaos factor in here for recording an episode. <laughs> it, was, it was too positive. Somebody has to be angry. That's yes, and I that shall be me. If no one else, I I will be. Uh, the negative Nancy that this podcast deserves. <laughs> well, Silverfuse, it's really great to have you back on the show. We really appreciate you coming on, especially when we're going to talk meta, um, because you actually know about it um, versus DBN and I, who who rarely do and just talk about uh, it's, it's as though the blind you is wound the blind me. when we're talking meta. So Silverfuse, want to thank you for coming on the show. We really appreciate you joining us tonight. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Silver, tell us a little bit. You know, we we love to jump in around here with banter, but we have a good conversation to talk about tonight. We got a uh, a good uh, like a good subject here. Um, we want to get in talking about the meta and, and a report that came out from uh, from the Riot devs themselves. Um, looking at it that came out over on Reddit. But I'm kind of curious because you're always playing something fun and creative. There's a lot of stuff we have actually haven't recorded an episode since. Uh, like Aurelia and uh, and all of that came out. So what has been the deck that you've had the most fun with since this latest set, uh, since this latest set dropped? Ooh, I need to think about that. Since the latest set drops, my favorite deck. Oh, oh yeah, it, de- it definitely has to be uh, Cythria Dragons. I love Cythria Dragons, closely followed by Talia Malphite. Cythria Dragons, now does that make use of the the new Cythria, the big ten mana Cythria. Yeah, it does the uh, spectral matron. matron. Yes, and then you splash in Shivana and Screeching Dragon and the Dragon Chow. So, uh, and you also play Mask Mother, which is one of my favorite cards in the game. Uh, Mask Mother plus Darkwater Scourge is amazing. Uh, so you have a very like anti-vigil properties because of the most cards or most decks cannot deal with a seven mana or sorry. Five mana, seven seven with heal, or you know, some people might call it lifelink still. And then just dragon chow is just a really good way to block blades, uh, just chump block it, and then you're able to get a lot of value from it as well. The deck is really great for anti meta, and it blows out so many decks just out of the water because it just puts on so many stats on the board, which is a rare thing in Terra. Most things require like atrocity or other game finishers, but this one is just pure big stats. You know, you have your 24 24s and your 48 48s. It's great. I love that deck. 48, 48s. Uh, yeah, that will kill someone if it hits them in the face. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you what will You will win, actually, <laughs> if you hit someone in the face with a 48, 48. Um, are we Even to the point that we're not calling it introduces... 
Oh, uh, I people I see people say call it Nexus all the time, but I feel like I'm still going to call it Vase. Yeah, I'm still channeling Hearthstone in some ways. Uh, I feel like. Yeah. DBM, what have you been playing recently, man? What 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 has been exciting for you? You know, actually, like as we talk about the meta, this will become pretty interesting. But uh, I've actually been uh, following a lot of the tournaments recently and really enjoying that. Uh, and I feel like I've been also laddering more. I, this is so weird because, you know, as somebody who in recent months has not really cared at all about the competitive environment, I'm finding myself becoming more interested in it, uh, which is I don't I, I can't tell you why. But for something something about this meta kind of tickles my brain because this is a perfect meta to build anti-meta and uh I, I don't know i i just i feel like there's a lot of because there's a, a clear-cut boogeyman that does have clear-cut weaknesses and like a zero relia i do feel like that the challenge then becomes you can play a lot of tier two decks but you have to tech for a matchup and seeing how effectively you can do that so i've been all over the place i've been playing you know overwhelm i've been playing uh vlad brom as always i always play vlad brom been playing dragons played a little bit of silver's uh cythria deck as well saw that on uh, her channel and loved that that was a ton of fun played some noxus uh aggro with azir um you know, just uh, just a lot of different things and just been generally uh, really liking the environment. I actually retooled my Rose Buddies deck. So utilizing the new uh, snapper, whatever that one mana threshing snapper or thrashing yeah, snapper. Thrashing snapper. Love that. Love the profiteer as well, actually, as a way to get like potentially spell shield or, you know, extra defense or something, you know, on like... Um, on Sivir or Rune Runner after it's peeled, or potentially on Darius, like it, that's been really fun. Um, so there's just a lot of cool stuff out there. And and you know, is Azir Aurelia annoying? Yes, but if you just uh, go with the understanding that you're gonna run into it, and instead you laugh at the people that do queue it against you, it's a lot more of a fun way to play. I feel like Azir Aurelia in in many ways has has some pretty significant weaknesses. Like, I feel like there is a lot of opportunity to capitalize on it, whether that is really anything with tough, uh, you know, scar grounds, a lot of one mana stuff, life gain. I mean, there are ways that that deck can certainly snowball a game if it can sort of like boost the attack of its blades and get a level to zero yeah. up on board and stuff, and it can push to win, you know, against a lot of stuff but there are definitely ways that if you can kind of slow it down in the beginning or remove its win strategy in its irelia yeah. or its azir like it really isn't as bad as i thought it was going to be i'm curious silver have you been having a similar experience it just like there are there's very clear weaknesses to this you know most recent meta you know meta champ right now I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's the weakness of it going against aggro, but I would say for control, there isn't really much you can do about it. So, like, yes, you can definitely decide, like, yeah, I'm just going to play these aggro decks and smash this Irelia deck. But against uh, for slower decks, it's really hard to do that, I would say, which I think is an issue that it's hard to tech against it just because it does gain so much value against you. Yeah, if anything, I'm kind of glad that, like, if there was going to be a broken deck, I, I'm actually kind of glad it was Aurelia's year because, like, I don't have to worry about queuing into TLC any near as much as before. No, Lisa. And it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that too. It's just like, whew, it's just, it's just a, a sigh of relief that at least I get to play against different things. 
you know, I run into so yep. much like um, Ezreal Draven, which is such a fun deck to play and play against, in my opinion, even though it's kind of reactive and like a almost reminds me of like a little bit of tribunal. But like it, it definitely is a deck that feels very fair. It's the and one so, of the like, most fair decks in the game. Yeah. Yeah. And so like playing cubing into that, I'm always like, OK, now like, I'm in for a challenge. But like even though it's very popular, it's very mainstream, it also doesn't feel nothing about like draven ezreal feels unfair at all and so like i love seeing that more often you know even running into discard aggro at least the games are over quickly but like having tlc like pushed out of the meta is like everything i could want as a mid-range like primary mid-range player like i this is this is i'm loving it <laughs> i wish i you know i wish it didn't have to be that i wish it didn't have to go that way but you know <laughs> since no, it's yeah of course, not for me in any way, because I, I play Legends or Runeterra, so this would never be a question that I would ask DBN. But for our listeners out there, what is what is TLC? What is uh, what's it stand for? Oh, uh, it, it's mm -hmm. uh, Trundle Lysandra Control. Oh, uh, of course, TLC. Yes. Or a yes. combo. Well, yes. Whichever sure. one yeah. you want. Whichever yep. one you want doesn't matter. <laughs> so the yeah, uh, it, the... it's a. Uh... Yes, it's it's the deck that for the listeners, it's the one where you go with uh, the Spectro Matron combo to get the Watcher out and cheese deck destructions. Like, what is it? Like as early as turn eight, theoretically, but usually between like eight and ten. Uh, it, it was like it was the it was like the other boogeyman of the of the previous meta before Zero Relia, and it was like everyone in the like I don't know. If, uh, I'm sure Silverfuse paid attention to it. I don't know if you did, Mark, but like the. Um, the big tournaments at the end of the last season, like everyone either uh, ran it in their lineup or banned it or usually yes. both. It was just like it, it completely made the um, the finals just so weird because like everyone was just playing around TLC and then Thresh Nasus was in half of the matches. <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that for sure. Yeah, it's been really interesting seeing that that deck did just get pushed out of the meta because of Azir Aurelia. And I have to say, I'm a <laughs> I enjoyed that deck quite a bit. Um, it's a bit of a guilty pleasure. It gives me the good old <laughs> Nixox vibes. So oh, gross. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, it's not as complicated as Nixox though. Nixox, no, no. I felt like more of a big brain when I played that deck. Trundle Sandra Control, I'm just like, all right, haha, got you, you know. But uh, yeah. I can definitely understand why I why it's not necessarily a healthy deck for the game. Like I definitely agree yeah. with that too. So it has when i seen that push out the only bad thing with that is that means the that probably means because the stats aren't showing that it's unhealthy the longer it's going to take to change the deck if uh, yeah that's the one of the downsides of it because i do think that deck does need a tweak and it is problematic uh killing your opponent on turn eight through a unstoppable combo is not ideal for a game i don't think but yeah i think that has been a pretty big plus for sure I yes. mean, that's the biggest thing I was disappointed at uh, with the last round of uh, adjustments was that they basically they gave Thresh Nasus like a OK, fine, we're, we're nerfing it, but we're not really nerfing it. And then they completely ignored TLC. And I was like, wait, are we playing the same game? <laughs> then they printed earlier as year and you're like, OK, you know what? Band-Aid, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It, it, it is that. But that you're that's a good point, though. It, it's a Band-Aid. You know, and, and I think that that's a really insightful thing that like it might take longer for TLC to become uh, dealt with, uh, at least from a official standpoint. Um, but but I mean, we're kind of we're kind of already bleeding into the discussion 
of of the of the day. I mean, do we want to just like jump in, or did we have? Actually, no. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stop myself in my own tracks because I did before we get in there. I wanted to ask you, um, Silver, because I've been following a lot of your videos recently. Which, by the way, for all of our listeners, Silver Fuse, you definitely check out not just the channel for Silver Fuse, but also more Silver Fuse, another channel for more Silver Fuse. Um, <laughs> but uh, I wanted to ask, not what your favorite deck is, but what was the video that was most fun to put together? I'll have to look. I mean, it might be tonight's video. <laughs> I haven't actually put it together yet, but it's a it's a spicy brew. Um, let me go take a look. There's some really well, good ones. Silver, you can actually you well, get a you might say it. There's four viewers in chat, but there it will uh, be. Yeah. Uh, it will be. This won't come out till Wednesday, technically. Okay. Well, it is a uh, snap finds with the blade dance cards. So if you have a snap vine out and you play the blossoming blade, you get three snap vines. It's so great. The deck can just um I actually beat a, a zero Aurelia today with it. And they had like the perfect curve. Turn two days, turn three, a zero, turn three, I or turn four, Irelia. I beat that curve and I was so excited about it. like they had a good play yes. every time and I was able to beat the deck. So I was like really happy about that. Um so yeah, just yeah, it's it's a really silly thing to do, and then of course it has you know Malachi in it as well as the alternate win condition if you're not outvaluing them with snap finds. So that was a lot of fun to record today. I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, hmm, another one, I actually, it's just so hard to say. I've actually I've really enjoyed this expansion. I think this has been one of the best expansions they've made. Uh, I think they did a really great job on just making different archetypes viable. And uh, just a lot new, you know, new and different play concepts. I think this is one of their better expansions by far. Uh, my other favorite game to record was uh, Kahiri Deep. Yes, <laughs> it makes no sense <laughs> at all. But I put the treasure decks or the treasure in it, and uh, the idea was to mill myself and then be able to predict Kahiri because I only have you know a few de cards left because I've tossed all the other ones. And it didn't quite work like that, but I played like 10 treasures in one game. Uh, the other person I was playing against was also playing Kahiri. So we were just trying to get like who could get the biggest Kahiris. And I was like dropping these treasures. I played like three or four treasure troves. Like, <laughs> and we both could have lethaled each other multiple times. And we just didn't because we were just having so much fun playing against each other. So I thought that was a lot of fun where like they like specifically like they attacked with everything. You know, they're going to kill me, pulled back their 1612 Kahiri. Like it was just such a great game. <laughs> While there's like literally never a world where that happens in LOR where like where someone yeah. actually pulls back and doesn't kill you when they could. I remember playing like that when I used to play Magic the Gathering or Pokemon with my friends and you like you wouldn't kill each other because you wanted to see what each other's decks could do. You lose that completely yeah. against random opponents and digital card games. That's really cool. Yeah, you don't really get yeah, to see that. Uh... So I was so excited about that. Yeah, we had a nice uh, thirty-minute long game against each other. <laughs> wow. Um, we both. I think we both loved it though, because like I said, we were both playing Kahiri decks and just making our giant Kahiris, and I was throwing down all these treasures. <laughs> it was great. Well, I want to oh, jump into amazing. meta conversation uh, here in a minute, but I did want to highlight the one deck that I've been playing because I played a good bit over last week because I was traveling. So I, I played on my phone a decent amount. And the deck that I've been playing both on stream and uh, and as I was traveling was, uh, was I, I immediately went to 
um, Zillion with Lissandra. Uh, uh, Lissandra Zillion. Um, but my deck plays all of the cards that count down your stuff quicker. So the the point is is to you know get eight eights, get eight eights with Overwhelm out on the board, and get a Zillion leveled up. And it also runs the Dark Lord Inquisitors, which you know will pop your. Uh, your frozen thralls early and uh, it has been it's actually not as good on the lower ladder because there's not quite there's a lot of people who are playing counter what i found is actually there, there's so many people playing counter azir i really are right now that most of the decks that you run into are built to beat that um and this deck doesn't beat a lot of those decks but it's been a tremendous amount of fun to play um and played a lot of it so that was kind of like my creative build i also played um the monkeys got a knife in which uh i played uh mf with powder monkeys and a lot of plunder synergies <laughs> along with irelia and blade dance which is kind of my own take on mf irelia um the monkeys got a knife and it, it was a lot of fun i i had a blast with it We've actually had a ton of decks coming in our deck name game channel as well. Just haven't had the time to uh, put those on the show. So next week, we're going to have to do like an extended deck name game segment and talk about a couple of them because we've, we've had some really good names come in for deck name game for sure. Yeah, I've been actually been playing a uh, Turbo Thrall uh, build as well just whenever I'm I'm just goofing, you know. And it's not bad. I mean, it could definitely win, win games, you know, but... Uh, but it, it's uh, I've been playing my version with Talia, and it's a little bit more like uh, it, it's less it's less uh, I guess it's comboy on the on the thralls, but it's just kind of more like all around it, like trying to compensate. It's got like um, you know it's got like avalanche and blight ravine in there, but it also got like harsh winds and stuff to try to make sure that those guys you know can can stick. I don't know. It's just um, I'll tell you what I I really hadn't toyed around with three sisters much because i hated tlc and that was like the primary deck it got like played in or that that card got played in along with maybe like ash but i don't really play ash but getting to play three sisters now like that card's so good and i love it it's so flexible it's a really enjoyable card to play yeah i've been playing around with that uh when i get the opportunity as well um, but uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and move on. We have a we have a good bit to talk about with the meta, and, and we want to take advantage of having Silver Fuse on the show. Before we do that, let me just give a, a quick plug for our patron. If you would like to vo- uh, you know support us over at Patreon.com, you can Patreon.com/slash/LegendsCast. It's in the notes as well, and uh, that support ends up helping us and allowing us. Um, to uh, to support things and do things like our Legends Cast Discord League, which we're currently in season three, and we're closing it up um, between uh, mates and Shangali Sha- Spurs. Uh, those two are going to be competing against one another in the finals. Uh, we just confirmed uh, today our two finalists for season three. They're going to be fighting it out for a uh, hundred dollar uh, Amazon or not Amazon. I'm sorry, uh, iTunes or Google Play gift card. Um, I guess Amazon if they really wanted it. Uh, but we hope that you'll spend it on LOR stuff <laughs> and um, and uh, and a spot to come on the show and be interviewed on the show and a pint class as well. Um, and uh, so we're really excited for that. And congratulations to the two of you. Next week, we will be announcing the winner of the uh, of the of the Discord League. And uh, and hopefully the week after that, we'll be having whoever the winner is on the show for an interview talking about their experience playing through the league. 
And so you guys can look for information sometime over the course of the next couple of months for the announcement of season four of the Legends Cast Discord League, which will probably happen here. I would imagine in a month or two, uh, we'll be announcing what's going to be coming up with that. The last thing that I have to announce is with the release of this show, we're also releasing Legends Cast t-shirts. So if you would like to purchase a Legends Cast t-shirt, um, there is a link in the description of this episode. You can use that link. The shop will be open for one week. Once uh, you purchase your shirt and the shop closes, then we will have uh, about a couple of weeks until our t-shirt guy uh, gets them all made and he'll ship them out to you. So he's doing it as a favor to us. Uh, we need to sell about a dozen shirts for everything to go through. It should not be a problem. So if you would like to buy a Legends Cast t-shirt and sport some merch of what is clearly your ultimate all-time favorite podcast because of uh, the amazing <laughs> co-hosts and guests that are here, um, then uh, you know the, the, the podcast that you can't live without um, has a shirt that you also can't live without. So uh, we get nothing for this. It doesn't actually support the show. We're just doing it because we were going to buy some shirts to give away anyway, and we thought that some people might want to purchase a shirt. So visit the shop today and uh, and pick up a shirt. We would love to have you do that. And um, the link had better be sent to me in time so it can go in the notes. So uh, yeah, you should definitely, definitely do that. Um, why don't we go ahead and jump into our actual segment for tonight, talking about the meta. Playtime's over. Okay, Silver and DBN, we're talking about the meta tonight. Now, there's been a lot of conversation all over the place about the meta of the game, and I've played enough to get a grasp on sort of like what some of the feelings are about it. But I would love to hear, uh, starting off from you, Silver, about your overall feel. Now, you said a little bit, but your overall feel about sort of like the state of the game, the meta that we're in, the decks that are strong um, and, and just kind of your overall feel of, of the general meta of LOR right now. Um, I don't think the meta is too bad. I think it's in a pretty okay spot. I mean, of course, Aurelio Zero is very strong and um, I would like to see a tweak on it. It doesn't need to be a big tweak, but just something to tone it down just a little bit. Um, overall, this meta uh, besides, I'd say Aurelia Azir is pretty polarizing too, which is an issue, but the other decks are a little bit less polarizing, but it's hard to say just because Aurelia Azir does just kind of warp all the meta around it to the point where it is, it, it is pretty polarizing, I guess I should say. And I think that's a bit of an issue more so than like the play rate of the deck too. I mean, the play rate of the deck's at 20% right now, which is, I that might be the highest we've ever seen. I don't think we've had a higher deck than that. So, um... I definitely think that it needs to be looked at, and it's a bit unfortunate that that isn't going to be coming in the next patch, or I guess when you publish this, it, you'll see in the patch notes that there is none, as it was announced on Reddit earlier by one of the devs, that there is no patch, uh, for at least for Aurelia Azir. I, I don't believe there's anything else further mentioned for that. So, I... Uh, although the deck is warping the meta, I feel like there's still a lot of viable decks right now, which is why I've personally enjoyed the meta, because I feel like I can play a lot of things and enjoy those things. And I'm very okay with them having a bit of a pushed uh, new set of cards, because I feel like the previous set that we had, just there was almost nothing to play. And it was really boring for that reason. So I think the fact that really Azir is something new, something fresh, I'd much rather something like that be 
a little bit broken than something that we've had for a year. So I'm happy that we're not seeing like Lisa and Zoe right now, for example, as one of the best decks in the game. I'd rather see Azir Aurelia as one of the best decks in mm-hmm. the game instead. So that is something, but I do wish that the devs would look at the play rate and the fact that every deck is pretty much defined of can it beat Aurelia or Azir or does it beat the counters to Aurelia and Azir? So I think that is a problem and why it warrants a change. Interesting. Interesting. DBN, how about you? What is, I mean, we can take a look at, of course, we have a couple meta reports here. We can take a look at that in a minute, but what is your kind of like overall feel, I guess, for, for the, where the meta has been? And we've had a little bit of a conversation about this, but you know, nothing too deep. Yeah, no, the, I mean, Silverfuse is hitting the nail on the head. And, and this is the thing that as we kind of move this discussion past our personal impressions to talking about um, the post from Dova Geddes, uh on Reddit regarding kind of a, I guess, a, a preemptive strike on outrage about the patch. Uh, <laughs> the um, the thing that that's interesting to note is exactly that. The idea that while Aurelia Azir may not be like performing that much higher than like a you know an appropriate win rate of a tier one deck you know in any meta the idea that because it is it is being reduced to that win rate because everyone is forced to answer it and it still maintains that win rate right so if it has an according to this a 52.5 percent win rate that is currently with the whole meta warping around it trying to handle it and be, being able to approach it. I mean, the simple thing is it stormed in on day one of the patch just dominating pretty much everything because people's entire you know collections of, of decks uh, were not designed to be able to handle something like that. Um, the Especially the amount of attacks that can be generated on your opponent's turn is something that had never been introduced and obviously is quite potent, especially for defensive decks or decks that are playing on the defensive against an aggro deck. You know, they typically use the turns that, uh, you know, that's on their attack token to try to build up and then they can use the next turn that the opponent's attacking to spend their spell mana and use their mana reactively. Uh, But if they never have that breathing room because of the attacking sometimes, you know, up to two or three times on their own turn, they're never able to kind of establish their own game plan, right? And of course, that is undone by certain counters that we've already established you know Aurelia Azir can be countered um, if you can deal with the units uh, that want to sit back on the bench that's great if you can get uh, your own units established with like tough or fury um, that's great too there, there are ways to handle if or if you can just heal through it all right and eventually push them onto the back foot or if you can go faster than them in the first three turns, because it, it's kind of like an aggressive combo. Like it really starts popping off like turn four and five. Like the first three turns are like setting up, you know. So if you play like like I was playing um, like a, a Noxus Azir Burn, where I was just going hard in the paint turns one, two, and three, ran like like sixteen one drops or something crazy, you know. But I mean that that you could put Aurelia Azir on the back foot because you know establishing a Deus on turn two or three doesn't stop that next swing of damage you know what i mean 
Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I, whole... I noticed a lot recently, actually, uh, Darius Azir was like a really popular deck in my games today. I saw it sort of over and over again because it can just, it can overwhelm Aurelia Azir before it can kind of get on its feet and then close a game off on turn six with a Darius before Aurelia can sort of combo out. Yeah. And, and that's the whole thing too, right? So like that deck is flourishing theoretically, in theory. I mean, I don't know what that deck's specific win is but that deck is cropping up early enough because it has a uh, you know viable impact um because it handles aurelia azir specifically and then in general it's a fast aggro deck we've seen a million versions of them in noxus you know like it, it you know, a fast aggro deck like that it can beat anything if it draws uh, if it draws well and if the opponent draws bad or one or the other you know um but i, I don't know I, I think that like it's a really interesting thing seeing people there's two approaches right there's the idea of like is this meta fun to play in and is this meta healthy long term and those are two different things you know what i mean because like right now i'm having fun playing in it but don't but like i'm not saying that it's a it's a good design uh situation right like I, there's clearly issues like silverfuse pointed out with uh azir aurelia and I, i'm not even saying it's it's needs to be gutted i think it's an interesting mechanic and i i'm all for you know riot devs pioneering new ways to play um but in this case it's clearly still thriving at a 52 and a half win percentage despite everyone and their kid brother trying to be prepared to beat it yeah like i would that, i would that's... i would agree with that dbn like as i was so I, I had a couple of thoughts about this like about this article and uh and we've been kind of looking at it, but I'll I'll just share a quick thought on on the meta. So I I will say this: Aurelia Azir has driven me off of Expedition temporarily, because the way mm. that they push things in Expedition makes you basically get you know cards that sort of align with the stuff that you've picked before. And so if you basically get Aurelia Azir and you get an opportunity to pick some Blade Dance cards, all that you get offered every round is more and more and more blade dance cards mm. which allows you to build like a deck that's actually stronger and more reliable than the meta version of this deck sometimes in expedition um and so i was a little disappointed that there wasn't sort of like an adjustment or it seemed like much of a thought to or a lot of a lot of i don't know time that was put into like how is this this Aurelia Azir combination going to impact the expedition, um, expedition yeah. meta, which I, I, I realize like that's not their number one concern. And I understand that. Like, I get that. And then I was kind of looking at as well at like all of the, uh, all of these decks that have been seeing a lot of play. And I think that you're right. Like you really cannot queue into a game without beforehand, the deck that you created saying, okay, what does this deck do? If I queue against, Azir Irelia like I, I I have to think about that and uh, and so I, I completely agree with both of you there's like a certain element in which I don't know that the deck is too powerful right now but it is sort of meta warping in the fact that everything that you do has to sort of consider it now there was there's another thing that's been posted here which is kind of like saying hey 39 almost 40 of our champions um have higher than a 50% win rate. If we drop it 1%, they add another 
six champions to that. They're saying basically 73.8% of their champions have 49% win rates or higher. And this is in, you know, obviously this is statistics that Riot has, things that we don't typically get access to. So my question for you and Silverfuse, I'll kick it to you first, is we see that some of these champions have higher win rates than maybe what people had expected. We see that maybe there's more viable champions. And basically they've said is like, quit calling our champions trash tier. There's lots of viability. And we are happy with the <laughs> level of creativity that's available with all of these champions. Do you think all of these champions having higher than 50% win rates actually, actually pertains to the possibility for creativity? Um, because I have found that a lot of times creativity really isn't what th this correlates to. And I'm curious from you because you do a lot of creative deck building. You're making new videos every single day. So where do you feel like the game is creativity wise right now? Yeah. Um, the first thing I want to point out is I don't, I can't think of a better word for it, but the words I kind of think of, it feels a bit insincere to word it the way that they did. I don't like using that word because I don't believe there's any, you know, bad intent by any means by the writers. But the reason that I say that, that he specifically in that post says, uh, champions can find a home in a deck that can find the 50% win rate. We don't know how many games these decks have had um, based off, you know, what is what is statistically significant, exactly. Like, we don't know if it's, like, 100 games or if it's 1,000 games. Because uh, I look at some of these champions, and I know that I've played them in their home decks, and I've played them in off-meta brews as well. And some of these, I'm like, yeah, this just didn't work. Like, I got, you know... Even if I got like a 40, 45% win rate on the high end with some of these decks, I was just like, yeah, this just, you know, it, the decks that are creative tend to be quite a bit worse than the meta decks, I would say, if you're like going for like card, you know, casual, you know, off meta kind of play. Of course, there's, you know, gyms that pop up here and there. So I feel like if you like, if you look at Mobilitics data and you look at the champion as a whole, you will see that there are only 24 champions above a 50% win rate. So they're two very different stats. But like I said, I think that I think the post frames it a little bit more that these champions are more viable than what they are. Because I am someone who plays pretty much all these champions, uh, like I said, in their home decks or in home brews as well. So I don't really agree with it from what I play. Um, I know that if I take an off meta deck that does have some good matchups here and there, I know that the tier one decks are going to stop me. The Thrush Nasus is going to stop me. The Zero really is going to stop me. I just, I know that's the case. I might get a 10% win rate against them. So, and I I would like to say too that I, I build decks pretty decently overall. Um, and I know other deck builders like uh, Mogwai as well. I know that he runs into some of the same issues that I do. That it's like, hey, like we built this deck. The deck build makes sense. But when I play against, uh, you know, the tier one and even the tier two decks at times, I get stomped and it doesn't matter what I do. So I think that the room for creativity in this game is actually significantly lower. But I'm also, I was so spoiled by Tessel. Tessel is, uh, was insane for that. Uh, you could play yeah. pretty much anything and do well with it. So like my bar is probably much higher than someone who like came from Magic, for instance. Um <laughs> But I feel like there are just there's a lot of room for creativity that uh, Runeterra doesn't give us, and I've like kind of been like, hey, we should you know we should have this, but like 
for example, something as simple as like giving tribal tags, like give the trolls the troll tag. I think I've brought this up yeah. on this podcast the last time we were here. It's like, yep. it's just really simple things of like, why wouldn't you do that? Like your players are going to love it. It's not a huge issue for design. It just doesn't make any sense to me when 99.9% of your players are casually focused and they just, you know, want to play certain decks and try certain things. They are a bit pigeonholed in what they're allowed to do, but I do think uh, the decks right now, I think Thresh and Nasus and Aziralia, I think they both have some fun aspects to them. So, like, they're, I would much rather see them than just, like, the flat-out burn aggro. I would much rather see Aziralia than just, like, all right, I'm going to play all my cards out, attack you with all of them, and then hope that I have enough burn to kill you. I think there's a lot more good decision points to Aziralia, at least. DBN, I'm, I'm curious, what is your, because, I mean, you're also sort of like an off-meta deck builder. You love metas that you can build, which is, I mean, honestly, like a, a, a meta warping deck is almost a perfect environment for that because you, it's very clear what you have to counter and very clear what you could, when you can counter the counters. Um, so just out of, out of curiosity, like, where are you at on how you feel about the, the creativity of the game, which was in my, which was one of my, you know, interesting comments that I saw from this post. I have, since uh, playing Runeterra, um, there have been a few times when I've been able to uh, innovate some interesting decks, and, and a couple times where it ended up becoming semi-close to mainstream, where I kind of got ahead of the curve on a few things, which felt cool. Not that it got any publicity, but I I knew I felt about it, right? Um, the thing is, I am finding that there is less room for creativity the more expansions come out which is weird, right? Like you would think that like more cards would equate to being able to uh, experiment more with more interesting combinations and stuff. The issue is the fact that the decks that are performing well are getting so streamlined and they're getting so efficient. You know, like we're talking about like Thresh Nasus is like, I think the epitome of this. You have so much efficient card draw you know, you're able to just pull through your deck and just continually just keep pumping things out to the point where, like, you know, no other deck can match that. And that's what it, again, comes down to. I think, like, Silverfuse brought it up, but I I genuinely, when I played Tessel, I created archetypes. Now, I, I didn't, like, necessarily, you know, break anything like Nick Sox or, or whatever, but, like, I was able to forge my own sort of, like, staple, like, oh, that's DBN's hulking scale on triple attack list right i was you know or or that's dbn's um item daggerfall list like you're able to really innovate and make something your own i felt that the skill expression in tesla was very different i'm not saying it's got more or less skill expression because i would really need to like hardcore sit down and, and break down you know what that is but even just the simple thing of like the board being so important in tesla uh and having the dual lane system and and stuff just really made that side of things feel more expressive where you could play a slightly subpar drop on the same curve as your opponent and you wouldn't necessarily have to have it engage with the better statted unit or more traditional unit that a meta deck would play you know, uh, whereas, you know, that's where the lane system was beneficial. If you had something you were trying to set up for a combo, you could slap it in the other lane away from the young mammoth, right? Um, 
but in in, in Rentera, the obviously you have you're, you're putting it on the same board as everything else. There's so much that can interact, which I think Challenger and Vulnerable is a good thing, you know, but it's just a different game, right? But the issue is that like these decks are streamlined by the increased card pool. And this is a game that weirdly is so heavily synergistic, which I normally like, uh, that playing things outside of those clear-cut synergies becomes very inefficient. And inefficiency in any card game is is a death toll, you know? Um, and, and when I look at these champions, I, I look at them and I look at this list and I say, like... Do these have a viable deck? Sure. But can you honestly tell me that Anivia has a similar win rate to Aurelia, Azir, Lee Sin? Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. She has one deck. She has one deck. It's not even that good. You know, like, like, seriously, like, like, queue up uh, an Anivia, a zombie Anivia deck. And and to any of the top medalists, and you're in trouble. Like, I, I get the idea that, like, you know, maybe it's not garbage. Like, it has a, a deck that you can play it in. You know, like, there's poor Heimerdinger down there, which I don't know how they're getting to 49%. Because, like, I, I don't know. I just haven't seen a Heimerdinger deck actually work yet. I've seen people try it. But I've every any video I've seen with Heimerdinger, I've kind of been like, okay, that's cute. Do that again over 50 games you know what i mean <laughs> like that's the thing like i gotta feel like these statistics are maybe pulling from lower tier uh you know uh metrics like not like the top of the ladder it's 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 it just weirds me out like i i just can't i have trouble putting my faith into the fact that all of these are being equated by the devs as close to equal in um you know, efficiency and play rate and also just generally in value because that is not being reflected at all on the ladder or and certainly not in the competitive scene. I mean, if you're telling me that a 52% win rate Azir Aurelia deck that is dominating the ladder and has been being played in competitive tournaments, um, if, you, if you're going to try to try to tell me that Trendemir is close to as good, you know, or is seeing close to similar win rates, I wouldn't... There's a disconnect. There's clearly a disconnect. So something that you said, DBN, that I think is exactly what I have been thinking is the game is so synergistic in many ways that when you pick something, it is just inefficient to play it in any way except the synergy that it's clear for. And I think that's what I've been having a mm -hmm. hard time with. You know, I don't think that showing that uh, a list of champions can exceed a 50% win rate and that that, and that list is large that may equate to a what I would think to be a relatively healthy meta across the broad spectrum of the entire ladder the, the, or all games played might not even be ladder might be off ladder. I could probably I, I might be able to be convinced of that. However, I don't think that that naturally equates to creativity. I don't think that naturally equates to creativity. And so kind of what, what I'm saying is, is that I like earlier today, I was like, OK, I want to I want to make a new deck. Like, I just want to get in here and, and play something I haven't played. So I was like, let's go with easy and TF and let's see if we can make sort of like the sump works, uh, the new sump works guys that like, you know, damage face. You get yeah, four twos with elusive. Yeah, let's try to make that work. And it was just like, 
unfortunately, sure, I can make this work, but I'm just better if I get rid of EZ and put in Fizz. I didn't want to play TF Fizz. I wanted to play TF EZ. That's what I wanted to play, but it was just a less efficient way to play it. I played like two games with TF mm -hmm. Fizz. It wasn't bad, but I was bored. And it's like, okay, I'm going to move on to something new. And I think one of the things that stifles creativity in this game is not that it's not so much that there are, you know, every champion has a deck that it's good in. It's that every champion has a deck that it's good in, right? One, has one, deck. one deck that is good. Yeah. Like Tom yeah. Soraka is one of the biggest ones of this too. It's like, uh, I mean, I actually played, uh, yeah, I played Star Spring decks, but I don't play Tom Soraka in them. <laughs> or I'll play like Friendly Order or something. But yeah, it's just the champions are pretty kind of set in this, or they're just too good. I mean, I don't know if too good is the right word, but like there's a few champions that break this rule, like Twisted Fate. So, like, I know when I'm making like a meme idea, there are some champions that if I have the opportunity to play them, I'm playing them. So, like, if I have the opportunity yeah. to play Twisted Fate in a Bilgewater deck, even if it's me, I'm putting Twisted Fate in because the card is that good for the play effect. It doesn't even matter if I level him up or not. There's a few cards like that in general, too. It's like, if I have the option to play this card, I am playing it because it is too good not to play. But uh, that's definitely not common. Um, there's very few cards. Zoe is another one that does that. Zoe, if I have the option to play Zoe, I'm going to play Zoe. She's that good. <laughs> you know, th this kind of reminds me of... Because we were talking about the Tesla comparison. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, right? But um, I think what we were feeling with this idea of experimentation, right? We're looking at LOR and we're describing it as a highly synergistic... Um, game overall especially like the non-champions because i think that there's definitely exceptions like a lot of the champions are synergy based but some of them are not right and those tend to be the ones that are the most flexible and that can see the most play in multiple decks right that the difference between tom soraka and like twisted fate or zoe just like uh silver fuse was saying right but if we looked at tessel the strongest decks were what we called good stuff decks right decks were the individual cards that made it up operated outside of a specific synergy right and they may have general trends like one deck may run a lot of uh guards or or whatever they were is what was it in taunts or in wards. hearthstone for those who are come from yeah from so, yeah or wards they might run a lot of those things but that doesn't mean that they were forced to have something else in order to see that payoff, right and, and therefore the experimentation came from, can decks that are going up against these quote-unquote good stuff decks put together a synergy that has a better payoff than what the good stuff deck can do consistently, right? That's where a lot of the experimentation flourished. You know, it was more efficient to just run the best unit, slam them down, and then run removal. But if I play around with cards that usually, and Silverfuse, you can probably, you know, agree, a lot of the cards in the, you know, off-meta lists were ones that were shunned by the top you know, meta good stuff decks because they required something else in order to see fruition. But yeah. once you could put down a deck that could efficiently profit from that synergy, you could find wins against pretty much anything. That's where yeah. it felt like you could win with anything.
mid-range battle mage did that amazingly with the Brian Conjurer, the former NL 1-1 with Ward, and when you pop the Ward, yeah. then you got a 5-5. Five five. And uh, you would be able to use the synergies of putting the Ward back onto the card, popping it again, and then just making a bunch of 5-5s five on your board. Then you had draw synergy with those 5-5s. Five so if you were doing that in a, you know, there's a 50 color deck versus for two colors or 75 for three colors in three color deck you didn't have that synergy because you weren't able to put enough cards that worked well with that brighton conjurer and you wouldn't draw your brighton conjurer enough so that was one of the big payoffs in this mid-range battle mage card or mid-range battle mage deck is you could create this big board through your card synergies and that was one of my favorite decks in that game and you couldn't do that with a 75 so that was a high synergy deck that we got to see that was able to outshine the good stuff piles but it was kind of cool to see a mixture of both of them now that I think about it. Because I feel like so many games now, it's like you either have high synergies or you have a lot of good stuff. <laughs> yeah. And we pretty much yeah, have it, one thing. I feel like we were unwittingly spoiled by that amidst the controversy of tricolor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, guys, uh, that's a great conversation that we just got to have about around the meta, both positive and negative. I think overall... All three of us, the end day, end of the day, like we're all three really enjoying the game. Like we're yeah, like, I'm having the, a good time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's Indeed. the most fun that I have personally had in LOR in quite a while. Um, and uh, it's given me, although we've disagreed with a couple of things that have come out, you know, in this Reddit post. Overall, um, we are absolutely loving the game right now, and of course, continuing to play and um and try out new things, and and hopefully we can you know find even more new stuff if you're looking uh for other you know other decks we've talked about you know feel free to reach out to us on discord but we are going to work our way out of here for this episode i did i hate to cut you off there but i want to address one more little thing real fast about this post and that is simply the idea that i think that the sentiment behind um Devagetti's post is valuable and whereas yes. i don't agree with how the statistics were presented especially without more data on how they were collected i think that what he ended it with is really interesting because he mentioned how i think it's a he maybe it's a they or, or she i don't yeah. know he okay yeah. um uh said that uh, i frequently see posts on this subreddit social media streams calling many of the champions listed above rash unplayable or other language that perpetuates the community's belief that leads to players avoiding playing them which can result in stifled exploration and experimentation this is totally true and totally accurate and this is the reason why i've i've had long-winded rants talking about how meta reports are not as valuable as everybody thinks they are Right. You know, they're they're useful, but they're not the end all be all of what can win and what can't win. Right. And that's basically what he's trying to say. I think the evidence that was being presented to support this was at, at best um, ill timed <laughs> uh, and at worst, potentially, you know, not necessarily, um, you know, up front. But but that idea that like there is a lot of kind of negativity in the community surrounding certain things that maybe aren't living up to the high, high standards set by, you know, Thresh Nasus and Aurelia Izir. I don't think that's a, a necessarily a fair evaluation, too. You know, so there's always that idea of like, I think we can always as a community try to do better about not shutting people down who have, you know, whether it's good win rates on a unconventional deck 
or just a great idea about how to use an underutilized card. It can be really easy to shut that down and say, nah, nah, that character's trash or that card's bad. Like, don't bother with it. You know, but you won't know until you try. And I think that's, at the end of the day, what this post was about. You don't know until you try. Yeah. Um, one of the uh, people might know him from Swimstream, but one of the mods for Swimstream is Precipic, and he, his specialization is to make an anti-meta deck during at some point in the expansion, which he made... He's the one who came up, or, or well, I guess Teal Red was like one of the first to kind of popularize the Spectral Matron uh, Cythria, but then Prospect took that idea and changed, you know, out of the Dragon package and stuff to it, the Anti-Blades package. And the number of times that I've uh, been with people, and then he's been like, hey, y'all should try this, you know, to like some of the uh, very competitive players. They'll be like, why would I try that when I could just play a Zero Aurelia instead? Like, you know, they're just like, why not just play the best deck rather than experiment with the decks that could be the answer um and that deck does have a good win rate against it as well and then uh i remember hearing my friends say like oh i love it when i you know work really hard on this new deck and this new concept just to be told like why not play the meta deck instead and he was like well, what's the point like you know we we gotta look look here to innovate and to do different things rather than just accept that hey this deck is good i feel like runeterra does lack deck builders quite hard um, we see a few people that are kind of rise past that, like if anyone has heard of Teal Red before, Teal Red is always innovating and creating very impressive decks. I highly recommend that if you like anti-meta things, you look at his mobilitics or his Twitter. It is amazing for just saying like, wow, that's a really good idea. He just always has good ideas and plays a little bit different things. So I feel like we lack that in Runeterra really hard, though. And I think part of that is, is people are just shutting it down as soon as people try. Um, as well as the fact, too, it is I do think the meta does present a bit of a difficulty as well. Because if you look at the NA meta and EU meta and you compare it to the Asia meta, the Asia meta is so much different. They are innovating and experimenting. I mean, one of their most played... Uh, Car like, you know, they play Zillion still, like, they're playing, like, Zillion and uh, uh, Braum together as a control list. Uh, like, we just don't see stuff like that in NA or EU. And that's, like, a pretty common deck in Asia, apparently. So it's it's interesting <laughs> that they're, like, they're playing Zillion quite a bit more. They'll play other lists quite a bit more. Every once in a while, I'll just go check out Mobilitics data, and I'll be like, what what is the Asian server playing right now? And it's usually pretty different than what NA's playing. So... That is something interesting as well, and part of that is the NA region, I assume, is quite a bit bigger, so with more players, you are going to lean more toward meta decks overall, where, you know, more refined things, and there are more uh, prevalent uh, NA and EU streamers as well, and YouTubers who also influence the meta, so that is, it's, it's just interesting to see that for sure, though, but yeah, I definitely agree with that DVM, is that's a really important thing to say, is that People are very quick to write off anything that isn't the top tier one or two decks. And I understand to an extent because it is it feels very hard to innovate in this game right now. And part of that is the lack of cards in the card pool and the fact that the powerful decks are very powerful. But I do feel like there have been many times in our meta games that there were times where we had a chance and opportunity to innovate and that they're probably missing decks that, you know, would have fit really well in the meta. And we did it. And we got to see that with Raptaro or Raptor. Um, in the seasonal two, bringing Riven and Vi and capitalizing off the TF Fizz players. He was able to, you know, of course that is a 
uh, tournament where you have a pick in a, or where you have a ban. So that's really important that you're able to target things a bit more. But you didn't really see any other players bring anything unique. They all brought the same lineups. And he was able to capitalize off the fact that he could figure out a new deck that other people had overlooked. And I think that is a huge problem in our game that there aren't many people looking to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I can agree with that as well, Silver. Well, guys, thank you for the discussion, and I think that was a great point to make at the end there, DBN, uh, about sort of like the heart behind the post and the reason for it. Um, don't allow what other people's opinions are necessarily to stifle your creativity or give you uh, the just telling you that it's not okay to try something because there is things out there to be explored. Some of them haven't necessarily been discovered yet, and maybe you're the one to do it, which is really exciting. Um, we're going to close out this episode, and uh, but before we do that. Um, uh, Silver, I would love for you to get the opportunity to just plug your stuff. Where can people find what you're doing? Well, you can find me on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash Silverfuse, on Twitter, twitch.tv slash Silverfuse plays, and then my YouTube is Silverfuse and more Silverfuse. I post at 11 p.m. CST every night on the main channel, and then I post at 11 a.m. CST pretty much every day on the second channel, and if I have a second video for the day, it's at 4 p.m. CST. So I'm I'm around <laughs> quite a bit if you want to check out my videos. I play a lot of off-meta and anti-meta or just flat-out meme terrible decks like Kahiri Deep. So it's pretty fun. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so make sure you check out your stuff if you're looking for a new deck to play. You basically get three a day uh, from Silver Fuse. Um, instead of DBN and I plugging our stuff, all I'm going to do is plug and throw in this in the show description as well. Someone from our community just started YouTubing. He's going to be releasing his second video in the next week or so. His name is Escher, and he started a YouTube channel where he plays a deck 100 times and shows you all of the statistics about that deck. Uh, his first deck was a Vlad Brom Scargrounds deck. He played it 100 games. He shows you all the statistics of everything that he came up against what his win rates were, what cards were the most valuable, um, and uh, and the adjustments that he made throughout the 100 games. I know he's currently uh, got another deck uh, that he was finishing the last 30 games on tonight. It is a really interesting video and a really cool look, uh, sort of like uh, uh, like a, an in-depth look at a specific deck. So uh, we'll throw this YouTube a link to his YouTube in, uh, in the show description as well. So make sure that you check out Escher and what he's doing there. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode of legends cast guys we really appreciate uh, all of our supporters and all of our listeners you guys are awesome and uh, allow us to continue doing this week in week out silver once again thank you so much for coming on the show we really appreciate you um thank you for for willing to be a friend of legends cast here uh, and willing to come on and, and set us straight when it comes to the meta really appreciate you <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Legends Cast. Thank you guys for listening, and be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was brought to you by listeners like you. Don't forget to join our Discord community and support us by leaving us a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. A special thanks goes out to all of our Patreon supporters over at patreon.com slash legendscast.